0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Where's Builds a Theatre. This is episode 5 and today we're talking to Alan Lane, the Artistic Director of Slunglow. This is not the first time we've talked because about three days ago we did a little recording, but uh, I call it a recording. It was not a recording, so it was this exact (laughs) interview, except (laughs) I forgot to press record for the first time in six years. So... Very much in the vein of live theatre. That was an experience just for me and Alan, and it was very exciting. It's probably the be- <laughs> best, <laughs> best podcast that never happened. If, uh, if we ever remember Tenacious D and the best song in the world, it's uh, very much like that. But we're going to try and recreate that for you. I feel like me and Alan have bonded a lot more since then. So, you know, we might get even more in depth chat. <laughs> you never know, D. You never know. So, Alan.
1: Yes, mate.
0: Second time in the ring. Here we go. It's the remix. It's the remix. <laughs> it's the remix. It's the remix. Coming back stronger.
1: Mm.
0: We started last time by talking about how you're the artistic director of Slunglow, and Slunglow manage the Holbeck. And it's important that we say Slunglow manage the Holbeck. Why is that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The Holbeck is the oldest working men's club in Britain. It was founded in 1877. And since that time and now, it is being owned by its members. So there are currently 480 something members, all of whom pay £6 fee to join and then £5 top up. And uh, it's their building, it's not ours. Um, Sunglo tries really hard, actually, not to um, own anything. Um, but we manage lots of things. And um, uh, yeah, and uh, Holbeck is the main one at the minute.
0: Amazing. And why is it. Um... Slunglow try really hard not to own anything.
1: Well, we we have a number of principles by which we we uh, we're a theatre company. Principally, we make large out outdoor uh, big people's theatre, big fiery shows in which uh, citizens and professional theatre makers come together to make something that neither group could make otherwise. And we're funded by public money to do that. We get arts council grants, um, and that's not our money. That's not our. That's not ours. That's our. That's part of the Commonwealth. That's something that we all own. So one of our principles is that anything we have is for us to share whether that be our spaces here the flat upstairs the van the equipment it's available for anybody who has um has use of it every single part of our operation is pay what you decide so ostensibly it's free at the point of use and the company also has a as a um company wage policy. So we all get paid exactly the same. We're all on buyout contracts and we all get paid the average wage of the nation, which um at the minute for us is twenty eight thousand three hundred pounds a week a year. Well you week having <laughs> a, a year. Yeah, we're living the, uh, living the dream. yeah living the dream. And that's 110 <laughs> a day. So every single person who works for the company gets paid the same. So if we owned anything, we would be left with the weird uh like what would happen one day when the company ends? Like who would get it? That would that would be like a mm. bonus. So it's much easier for us not to own anything because then there is no uh, kind of difficulty around that. And it also means that we're not in the business of, um, of trying to build, uh, sort of, um, our own, our own demise into the system. This, this whole company is powered by a group of people who commit every day to doing the best they can. And when that's no longer the case, then I would imagine the arts council will take the money back and spend it on something else, which seems to me like a really healthy way of doing business.
0: Ah, Right. So because, it's public money that you work off, like many arts organisations. It's almost like you have to have a fluid relationship with that money because it's not yours, it's just yours to use at that time. Absolutely. And because it's yours just to use at that time and it's public money, you think therefore anyone that approaches you and wants to use stuff should also have the option to use it because it's public funds.
1: Absolutely, otherwise we get into the ridiculous situation where it's an institution's job to protect an institution from other people, and the other people they're protecting it from are either artists or public. And that strikes me as that's just ridiculous. We we pub, Public subsidy allows us to imagine how to operate beyond the market. It is an unbelievable political and philosophical privilege. It's it's almost unheard of to, for, for that to happen anywhere else. We don't have to have a profit... Um, driver, we can we can exist without one in a in a world w- if we, which has been dominated by capitalism for the best part of 130 years at least. That's amazing. I mean, that is like literally the last outpost. We can imagine new ways of doing things. So at sunlo we've imagined what it is to operate beyond the market and have every single part of our operations be pay what you decide and we've had a big an impact much wider than you would expect from a from five people who run a pub in south Leeds. because of that there are other ways you can imagine being beyond the market and one of those is what people term radical generosity it's not radical generosity it would be radical generosity if the stuff was mine the stuff isn't mine it belongs to the commonwealth it belongs to the public purse It belongs to everybody. We spend £500 million worth of public money on the arts in this country. And for that, we should get a return where everybody has the best cultural life possible. We know that's not true. I know you know that's not true because I know the things you're about. So there are parts of our country and they tend to be of a certain class and they tend to be of a certain colour and they tend to be of a certain type that are locked out or completely dismissed by our cultural sector as a whole. There are amazing projects that are doing work, but generally speaking, the people of Holbeck do not get advertised to, or marketed to, or talked about the amazing cultural offer that is part of this city, which is the third biggest city in the country. They just don't. But they've paid in with taxes, or they've paid in with their with their uh, with their with their efforts towards the national effort, um, and that's wrong. And we know that's wrong. And actually, when you start to think about that in terms of children not having access to different experiences, it becomes cruel. And so our job here, and driven because of that public money that's going in, because of a collective decision that we should have a cultural life that is shared and uh, cooperative and collective, our mission is to make sure the people of Holbeck have the best possible cultural life they can. And it's our job to try and provide that. A lot of the time, that's about getting out of their way and letting them decide what they want, rather than me sitting here going, you shall now see ballet, because I feel it will be good for you. Um, But what it is definitely always a lot to do with is it's a lot to do with um, making sure those Leveraging those resources to this area, making sure that those resources are available, making sure everyone can borrow the van, making sure everyone can use the space. Um, That's really important. And I think that's a kind of values in action that is... It's really, really vital if we're going to keep making the argument for public subsidy and why it's important. And yeah, it's interesting that you say that with the
0: pay what you decide model. So part of my work is uh, working on a box office and I do a lot of uh, pricing and things like that. And the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm doing pricing is it's not to do with making profit for me. It's for making motivation for people to come and see stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting with the Holbeck, pay what you decide is great because there's no cultural offer there. So it's really going to bring people in. Um, What I do is I put a high, what you call an anchor price on stuff. And when I say high, it's not that high uh, to make it look like an attractive proposition for people to come because we're in a bit more of a busy market area. And then you make it accessible to get money off. So then if you're trying to bring people in, you're like, oh, you can get this much money off, this much money off. And it's interesting how in different environments, different pricing structures work. But I feel like if you are running your theaters and I've said this in previous episodes, only 20, well, under 25% of people are accessing theater in the country at the moment. So you need to, when you're thinking about your pricing, don't necessarily think about profit, think about motivation and what might make people come. Do you think that's a fair analogy or you took completely against anchor prices?
1: I, I think you've got to do whatever works for you in your context, being being in the oldest working men's club in Holbeck, which is which is a ward with unbelievable excitement and, and great people, but also a lot of challenges and being the only sort of, well, for the last 18 months, we've been the only public space, uh, that, that the people of Hobbit can use. So we, we're civic, we're ceremonial, we're political, we're cultural, we're educational. And it's vital that we are available to whoever has need of it, because it would be an act of kind of um, cultural fascism to sort of declare, no, you people can't use this space because we are the only space. That, that will change yeah. when a couple of other spaces come online. And that's great. But until then, we're the, we're the, we're the place they can come. And it's really important that we get out of the way. Now, one of the ways we get out of the way is is with that pricing strategy, which for us is around pay what you decide. But we all know that the obstacles to to involvement is is not just financial. They are important. I think they're much more important than people think. But then, you could, if you make everything free you're not going to get different people turning up if, if you, if you're still marketing in the same, you know, I, I worked once in a city in which the, the, the city theater didn't bother advertising in the city boundaries because they knew <laughs> no one from the actual city would come. And so they advertised in the three towns around it that were much more middle class and people would come. Now that's a problem. That's a, that's a political problem. It, the marketing manager there is just doing their job. They're doing their job properly so they don't get fired. And that's absolutely fine. The problem is, um, that, that that building isn't a profit. That is not a commercial building. It's a civic space and mm. it's a shared space. And so that, that is an issue. So all of those things, so you can make all the tickets free, but if you don't market, then so here we can tweet all we want. We can Instagram all we want, but no one in Holbrook going to pay any attention to that. If we want to speak to them, we're going to have to print the people. And we're going to have to put it through their door. Or we're going to put it up in the window of the chippy, or we're going to have to go on Facebook and deal with some right batshit, crazy stuff. Cause that's, that's how we're going to reach our immediate geographical community. Um, mm. And these things are in. Uh, these things are important. Um, there are other obstacles here. It's really obvious, uh, but I think I think this is true of of the sector generally. Here, this building was run for decades by a group of people who made sure that only people like them went through the came through the door. Now, the reason why it's much easier to deal with that here is it's consciously done. In the arts, we don't say that. We we hide that behind a whole series of 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 processes and 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 ignoring st- statistics. But in this building, a group of white men said, we'll only let people who look like us go through. And they yeah. and they said, because they share our values. So they used the language that we now use for progressive thought, and they used it to restrict people coming in. So it's very easy for us when we come in to say, right, that has to stop. Um, now I can make it free and I can put posters up, but if I'm not actively reaching out to people who have been physically barred from coming into the building and saying, hand to god i will walk you in this is your space now then i'm not going to get those people in that that community whether it be the ghanaian community or the asian community or any number of of communities around here will not come through the door that's just three obstacles we've only been talking for 10 minutes we've identified (laughs) three profound like basic capitalism knowledge (laughs) and and the and the structural institutional racism sexism and god knows whatever other isms like we haven't even started yet those are just the three (laughs) and we're like yeah but if i get a really shit hot gif maybe and they'll come no they won't we're talking about deep-seated structural shit that makes people think this place isn't for them and again it's really Mm. easy here because we have, we have a place called Working Men's Club. All those words are really problematic. And we have a whole history. So we so we automatically start from the point of view of like, shit, this isn't working. We've got to make this work. Now, if we take Working Men's Club away and we say theatre, and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that's not the same. Well, isn't it? Isn't it? Let's go out into Holbeck now or, or wherever you work, and let's go and ask 100 people and say, is theatre for you? And they'll all <laughs> yeah. say no. Hand to God, they will all say no. And we're like, oh all right well that's a bit of a problem isn't it because we're taking their money to do it and that's a problem so these things are huge and and yeah airplane airplane pricing yeah five pounds for under 25s tuesdays and thursdays cheaper all of these things may or may not help but until we grapple with the kind of fundamental thing which is this thing that so many of us think is vital and is profound does not speak to so much of the population i remember when i started in this business people said to me you just have to accept that some people don't like theater and i'm like yeah well, y- y- well yes that's true but that's not what i'm talking about i'm mm. talking about children being locked out of a system who will never grow into that system and us using our shared wealth to keep that system going that's what has to change and if that is your plan for uh what was it, anchoring pricing or whether it's our pay it doesn't matter what it is it's going to take all of us pushing to shift yeah. that perception
0: and it's almost like the arts created apathy from certain areas of society to keep them out. So it's like, so I described in my first episode of this as I want to make a theatre for those that can't be arsed with theatre. Because it's yep. this idea that people are like, it's not that uh, a lot of the time, it's not that they're necessarily even just locked out. I think that might have happened at some point, but it's also can yeah. kind of why, why would I even bother? There's so many other better things to do.
1: How, how I mean this has been a really stressful year. Um and we've been really busy here with a food bank. We've been running a we've been running a food bank for the last um nearly thirteen months now. Um but I, I've seen maybe three pieces of theatre online and it's not because I don't love it, it's because I'm exhausted and it's because there's the whole world there shouting for my attention. And uh, if what we do is important, if we do has the potential to raise horizons, lift spirits, create more engaged citizens make people feel powerful then then we're in then we've got to fight for something worthwhile then we've genuine if what we do is a different way of playing a computer game or a different way of watching netflix then we're just in the entertainment business and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that nothing at all my wife works and makes commercial fair she's brilliant at it and it's really hard but we shouldn't bother trying we shouldn't pretend that what we do is something different from that and it mm-hmm. and the argument for public funding becomes almost impossible to justify and and the reason why i don't think that's true the reason why i think that we are more important than that is every time a bad man gets in charge of a country the first thing he does is shut the theatres. you I, I had to recently do my uh, last week i had to do my licensing a lot and you want to do a live tv broadcast you don't need a license you want to do? Like, God, there's so many things you don't need a license for. You want to put on a play with one person talking in a room to one other person, and it's a play. You need a license. The government need to give you a piece of paper saying you can do it. They do that because they know deep down that that thing can be powerful. That that thing can broaden the horizons, lift 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 chins. Make people feel powerful. Get them thinking. Get, make them more engaged citizens. Not engaged citizens in a direction, how I want them to be. Just engaged. Just mm. more than customer. And it's incredibly exciting. It's incredibly powerful. We have, thanks to public subsidy, but thanks to the form of theatre, we have the ability to imagine other ways of being. It's an unbelievable privilege. And we shouldn't squander it on on pretending that we're just an arm of the entertainment industry. doesn't mean we're not entertaining, but we are more. And the reason why I know we're more is every time someone <laughs> takes control of... You look at Turkey, first thing he did, man, he didn't... Mate, he got to the theatres before he got to the Kurds. I mean, he was like, oh, <laughs> shut them down. So this stuff is powerful. It's just not always powerful. And sometimes it's shit and sometimes whatever else. But it's worth fighting for. And it's worth fighting this really pernicious thing that... that uh, the. The, the public realm part of it is just fixing the market. The market isn't broken. People will go and see Six, a musical. They will mm. go and see Harry Potter and the fucking whatever it's called. That's fine. That is what it is. It's really good. Leave it alone. But we do something different. And it, I think the problem is what Sonia Friedman does and what I do is both called theatre. And I don't think they're the same thing and i don't think they're done in the same way and i don't think they're done for the same reasons but we've got the same word and i think that's part of the problem can you explain who Sonia friedman is oh sorry Sonia friedman is a commercial producer the reason i mentioned her is last year she was often on the radio talking about the theater's COVID response and i was really struck Mm. i don't know her and i was really struck with the fact that she would often mention slung low as a as an example of people doing great things and i was like i don't know this person and and she lives in a different world and i I don't have any disrespect for her and, and i think what she does is really difficult but but I was taken with the fact that oftentimes our name would be in her mouth to make an argument, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's fascinating because I don't think we're doing the same thing," and yet mm. I get in the, this is how broad the, the national public debate is. Is theatre is Julian Fellows and Andrew Lloyd Webber and Rashdatt? In fact, not even Rashdatt. Where, where do we go further down there? Like what we're doing here, <laughs> they aren't the same thing. They just aren't. And they're not done mm-hmm. for the same reasons. They're not done in the same way. We don't have the same values. And we're not trying to achieve the same outcome. It's a different thing. It's the difference between television and people who make YouTube videos about how the government. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not the yeah, same. They're big just scale. different things. It's a, yeah. And if you call that all the same stuff, I don't know how much nuance you're getting in the argument.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. The Holbeck we've talked about its yeah. philosophy now. Now, what's mm. physically there? What are we seeing if we if we bob down to the Holbeck?
1: Well, if, I mean, if, if 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 your listeners could see the camera, they would firstly see uh, some <laughs> yes. extraordinarily high quality nineteen seventies working men's club metal flower wall arrangements. So downstairs we are a very classic. Um, working men's club if you've ever seen phoenix nights it's not a million miles away from that i'm sat in the bingo room at the minute which is a room with no natural light and no windows because that's how they like <laughs> to play the bingo and the other side there is a bar which is again a very traditional bar um and those and those uh those spaces are sacrosanct to the members and part of the deal when we moved in was i wouldn't change any of them during the day when the member, when the drinkers aren't in they're used for all sorts of adult continuing education esol classes refugee groups all sorts of good stuff but half an evening and on a sunday um they're just uh, sort of pretty classic um social club bar next door we've got a two snooker room a two snooker table snooker room uh, which is the pride of the members which at the minute is a food bank for seven and a half thousand households and then upstairs we've got a 250-seater cabaret space which is beautiful and we've uh, kind of done a big refurb on it since we moved in where all our shows get put on um and the space is also used as a rehearsal space the majority of the time by by local artists in the city. There's a flat with a couple of bedrooms and, and about three or four office spaces. And then a, a really big car park outside in which we've installed um, an outdoor stage uh, about a year ago that now sits there kind of permanently, unless you come from the planning uh, Department of Leeds City Council, in which case it's definitely temporary, and a <laughs> double-decker bus, a double-decker bus that's been turned into a, a classroom and a cinema for uh, local kids groups um, that we converted. So as a space, it it, it, it honors its history. It honours its role, it honours its ownership by the members and the fact that there is a kind of rump of maybe 100 members who, for whom the club is, that space that they saw their their fathers uh, drinking in and and they, so they come in and do the same thing. But it's also uh, a space of entertainment, it's a space of culture, it's a space of education, it's a civic space, There's a lot of political meetings here and, and community groups. It's a ceremonial space, people get married here, People uh, a lot of Ghanaian funerals, um, which is around having a dual ceremony here and back in the homeland, so we, we host a lot of them um people yeah a lot of first holy communions and and all that good stuff it is it is the only large public space that you can organize something in in this area um Mm. uh and certainly there are a couple of other spaces not as big but certainly it's the space where if you ask if you if you walk down to the club now and say i want to have an event on the june the 21st if it's free i'm going to say yes in that moment we say yes to everyone that's our deal and um and we let everyone get what they want. That's also our deal.
0: I find it really interesting that you've got this whole education arm in
1: uh, what
0: is like a working club, working men's club, but also like an arts venue. Um, what different kinds of, what kind, What different kinds of things do you teach in in the bus outside? Like what, what classes and stuff do you have?
1: The Cultural Community College came out of um, the kind of realization that, that adult education outside of the workplace wasn't very good in this country that lots of people just not very interested in people learning things for the sake of learning there was nowhere to go unless you were very wealthy so we started it three years ago and we started with stargazing because stargazing for me is a kind of the kind of uh sort of core of the college so you you learn to stargaze and you get information to understand the universe and that that knowledge would have turned it would have made you a witch or someone dangerous a thousand years ago 2, five thousand years ago and now it's bloody pointless you just stare at the universe and go oh you can't monetize it in any way and so that was the kind of heart of the college was we we're interested in teaching people things that make them feel like they know more that there's one less thing in the world to be scared of rather than teaching things that um are good as a side hustle we've got into this habit i think as a community like okay great well that you've learned that how can you make money from it i'm like well how about you just do it <laughs> you just do it um and which again is an unbelievable position of privilege so that's what the college does is it tries to share that unbelievable position of privilege with as many people as possible so we program everything from indian cooking to bread baking to uh, blacksmithing to i mean uh, irish dancing's coming up um and um and the first thing we do is we print a brochure and we put it through every single door in holbeck and we wait one week to let them book, and then we put it on the internet, and every single class sells out within six hours. And so, uh, something we've learned is that if we're going to share that privilege of being able to spend, take some time to learn something for the sake of learning it, we need to make sure that our structures, as basic as they are—printed flyer, Twitter—are um, are are awake to the to the exactly as we were talking about. Actually, with your pricing, is that we understand there's an inequality in the system. We understand there's inequity. And then our systems as simple as they are have to cut through that and that's one of the ways mm. we do that but the college is a large part of what we offer it's it's one of the main reasons why people come into the club amazing and with that weak gap do you feel
0: like it's people from outside holbeck that fill it up like immediately that are already keyed into the arts that seem to book and then come in
1: a little bit i think i i, don't, I think that's probably um i think our audience is made up of three groups The first group of people in Holbeck who don't who don't take up other cultural offers. There's another group which is from outside of Holbeck who don't take up many cultural offers. They really they come for us because of the pay, what you decide, it might be financial, it might be Mm -hmm. they come for us because they have found a space. One of our things here is every member everything we put on has a member of the team, those five people fronting it. So if you come to anything here, you will be greeted by one of those. And that those same people are the people that make the large scale shows. So it's the same team, and that, and some people really come for that; they really enjoy that. And then there's a third group, which is people who take up the cultural offer all over the city, and they just like some of the things we do. And and all of those are equally valid. And actually, with pay you decide, you really need a mix of all of them, otherwise, the box office tends to be tends to be swayed one way or another. Hmm. What what happens with the week gap with the flyer is that it, we just leave enough room. So the first time we did it, we did it, and three P, three spaces booked out of I don't know two hundred. I was like, what huh and the second time we did it it was nine and then it was 27 and then this last one we just did a third of all places went in that week because people have grown to trust us and to know we can be relied Mm. upon to know it's not a trick people think pay what you decide is a trick where at the end you try and get 30 quid out of them or something like you're chugging i've never even thought about Um, that you know yeah a lot of suspicion Uh, but if you but we've been here for well over a decade so you stand in a place over and over again and you demonstrate your values to people and, and you demonstrate a, you can be trusted to do the things you do, but but you, it's not a. The, when we first arrived, the local councillor in in Holbeck, so not in the club, but in the other place ten years ago, the, I invited the local ward councillor down and said, "This is what we're about." And she said to me, "You're posh playing at poor, and you'll be gone in three months." And obviously, we've been here ten years, and that councillor is now a member of our choir, and she's an amazing supporter. And occasionally, I remind her that she says that I'm posh playing at poor. Now I'm not, posh, <laughs> and I'm not playing at poor. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just example um, uh, but, um, <laughs> that test, that test of time, that standing in the rain, as we say here, like to prove that we're full of shit, um, gives you the returns, but it takes time mm. and it comes in large part because a lot of the people who came before us were those things. They did just run off. They didn't do what was necessary. They weren't really mm. interested. And, and for every one of those people, it takes 10 years to make that back. And I think that's, I suppose that's one of the things I mean when I say like, we're all in theatre, but I'm not sure we're doing the same thing. Yeah. When, when the theatre sector does stuff, or when Julian Fellows talks on our behalf, and everyone thinks, oh yeah, that's what theatre is, it's that old posh bloke chuntering on in a tweed jacket, it takes time to unpick that. Yeah. It takes time to go, no, 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 oh, no. And, and as a result, some places, and here and in Hull, where we were before, they'll say to us, yeah, well, you're not a proper theatre director. And they don't mean it as an insult, they mean it actually as a well, "you're not like what we think you were going to be like," mm. um, and I think that's important because people are distrusting for really good reasons, for really good reasons, um, and we've got to we've got to find a way to win their trust back.
0: Hundred percent. And it's interesting. So last time we talked three days ago, the uh, the conversation that will never be heard. Uh, I was really interested in the idea so i talked about building audiences and you said you're not here to build audiences you're here to build something
1: else i i think well one of the things that's seen as a lot of outreach projects is is our funders say like what's the how do you know this works so if you do this whatever it is we're doing we go and hand out flyers or we run a program of this or we do that Will you see an increase in your box office and i'm like no Will you see an increase in your in the people coming? And I'm like, well, not necessarily. Or will you see that? Well, maybe citywide, will they go and see Opera North? And I'm like, I don't care about anything. That's not my job. I'm not. I'm not a marketing manager. My job is to serve the community of Holbeck and to give them the best cultural life that they want. So a lot of the time, I'm talking to people and they say, well, I, I want a space to have some my Nana can have a birthday party. And I'm like, yeah, okay, good, yeah, great. Like the year we were open for COVID, we had over a hundred events. And we organised some of them, and they were plays and whatever else you might expect. But the vast majority of them were people organising their funerals or their weddings or their get-togethers or the, the lad around the corner got robbed. And so the, the mates got together and put on a battle of the bands. It's not my job to tell them whether that's a good idea or not or whether the bands are any good. It's our job to say, yeah, of course, get the space ready for them, to help them a little bit with sound engineering and generally kind of go, oh, guys, if you want people to come, you remember you've got to do a poster. And then the the show happened. And it might be if you and me were sat there, we wouldn't think the bands are any good. And the way Mm. that the lads got up at the end and were sort of a bit worse for wear and kept crying because they were so moved that they managed to raise all the money to get their mates stuff back. Maybe that isn't how we do a play or or we'd be like, well, that's not very professional, whatever else it is. That's not important. The important thing is that event, by its own terms, was a success. Mm. We had so few failures here. The failures we had were mostly fundraisers for political parties because... And and this is why I think it is, is because people felt they had to do them. Oh, it's my job to organise a fundraiser for the local labour party or whatever it is. And no one comes because no one was actually invested in that. When those mm-hmm. lads organised the Battle of the Bands to get their mate's bike back because his house got burgled and he wasn't insured, they were moved, they were driven. And yes, it's fair to say that that event did not have the finish that would get it four stars in the guardian but in its own terms it was an absolute success and the people who were here absolutely enjoyed it had a sense of purpose had a sense of being engaged in something bigger than themselves and had a sense that this building was serving them now on the way out i don't go guys by the way do you want to come like the measure of success isn't that they come next week to see a show the measure Mm. of success is that when they want to do something they go i know where i can go i can go and talk to alan and he'll tell me how to do this and that's the measure of success now along the way it is fair to say that our audiences have increased because people have trusted and like well if he sends it's a good idea to come to his cabaret then i'll probably give it a go but the measure of success is that people feel that this space is cultural space, this fun palace is for them and for them to do what they want in and that they can do that in a way that is accessible and transparent and um, and fun uh, and the least amount of sneering from from arts professionals as possible.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, amazing. Yeah, so I, I had
0: this assumption um, that and I think I even I even went for a job and wrote in Slunglow is a great place to look at, especially the Holbeck, because um, I hadn't been at this point, and I said that in it. But it seems like they've got a bar there that locals can like drink in, have a great time, and then unobtrusively. There's also theatre going on, and then if they if it so took their whim, they could be having a pint and going up, and then going to see a show. But it seems like that's not it at all. What it is is you're offering education. You're offering a bar. You're offer you actually offering like, like it's basically like a a church hall or a town hall almost. Yeah. That's really open for anyone to do anything in, and it's not even the aim to get people to shows necessarily. The aim yeah. is just for people. To use it for the betterment of their community and to bring the community more together, or is it even that? Is it? Just, are you just happy that it's full?
1: No, our, our job is our job is to make people give people the tools and the time to be a more engaged citizen in whatever direction they want to be. Now, it is also true that just as a as a as a way of what we're doing, that does happen. We've had shows. It was a great um, monologue by Tom Wells, which is about a young lad coming out in a swimming pool, and and the members all stood up with their pints and heard it was a musical, went upstairs and, and watched it. And it was amazing. I was like, look at this, it's a cultural crossover. That's not that's brilliant. I love that. That's not the principal measure of our success. The principal measure of our success is everything we do is designed, firstly, to give the people of Holbeck the best cultural life that they possibly can have. And secondly, to make to give people the tools and time to be the most engaged citizens they are. What, what, however that presents itself, whether that be directly people taking on positions of authority on boards whatever else or or much more softer softer outcomes and people just being scared of one less thing um and that's and that's what culture can do and that and that is empowering and the myth i think the great great myth of the last 40 years is we are not powerful we got told we were important and our feelings mattered and that may or may not be true i don't know but we were told we weren't powerful and we are and, and, and the, the lie we were told by that is we're not powerful because the world is already full of these systems and it's unfair. We're never going to change them. And and that's that's looking at the wrong target. You change the world one person at a time, one place at a time, one group at a time, one room at a time. And culture has the potential to do that. And I know that Sunglow has done that. And we've done that in the last year by delivering over 11000 food parcels. That is that is powerful. It's not important. It's not going to It's not gonna get me on Radio 4. It's not going to get me in the House of Lords. It's, it's, it, that's not the measure of success in this. The measure of success is understanding that your things you do have an impact that you will never know about. And and the same is here. We put shows on outside in the car park. Everyone's welcome. There's a group of kids that roll around on their bikes, generally causing mischief. And we had an opera in. This. Oh, God, opera is so popular. It does my head in. And, and the kids came along and watched it from the street. Sat for a whole fucking opera, mate. Just watched it. Didn't even come in. The, just sat. There's this picture that was, that was around on social media of just this group of kids on their bikes just watching this opera going, wow, great. And then they left and went off to do whatever they do. Now, we have no idea. We have no idea what those kids are going to do with their life. And statistically, the probability is some of those are going to have some really rough times and they're going to end up in some really dark places. But maybe, maybe one of them... It's so. It's just that moment, and they're not because they become an opera singer. That's like this—the endless recreation of ourselves as an art sector. But maybe they just get thinking, and maybe they become—I have no idea. Maybe they don't become at anything. Maybe they just become an unbelievably engaged person who stays here, and 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 walks a path of of inquisitive something. Maybe I don't know, but I know that in over a hundred events in a year in endlessly making things and, and, and people coming to us, that you, you start to make a difference. You start yeah. to, and you, and you can't measure that difference. You won't know the ripples of that. And that's why it's just a kind of, um, it's almost like a heroic saga. Cause you're like, I've no <laughs> idea how this is going to end. I've no idea whether I even get to see the end. I'm just going to keep going. And, um, and that's, and that's the mission. Yeah,
0: so it's like measured by an unmeasurable butterfly effect. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because what? Because because we live in this world where we think like if we're not Iron Man or President Bart, that we're not important. Like, how few people in the world get to do something and see the international effect immediately? It's nonsense. It doesn't. Mm. It's a handful of people, and this myth is then used to oh, that's you know, there's no point in doing anything if you're not capable of declaring a completely different trade agreement with Europe in three minutes, or. <laughs> Or you could just give your van away to whoever needs it for ten years. How many times has that van got a thing somewhere that was needed? We move so many sofas mm. now. I don't know why the people of Leeds are endlessly moving their bloody sofas around at the minute. <laughs> we move so many pianos. Has that piano arrived somewhere that's just given someone a just maybe even a moment of peace that they wouldn't have otherwise had? That's powerful. But it's mm. it's not powerful in this fucking Thatcher myth in which if you don't immediately cause an effect, transaction and delivery, it's nonsense. We are all capable of being incredibly powerful and the lie is that we're not.
0: Something really interesting you said last time was kind of managing different communities you work with and you had, what was the line? What was the line called? It was, uh, you can do whatever you want.
1: Oh, everybody, yeah. Yeah, everybody gets what they want, but nobody gets to stop other people getting what they want. It's one of our beliefs. We've got a, a, a number of sort of really basic values here that keep us on. Be useful and kind is one of them. Say yes to everything. And one of them is uh, is really important. Actually, increasingly, the most important is say it. Everybody gets what they want, but nobody gets to stop other people getting what they want. So if, if the traditional members here want the bars kept open as ever, that's absolutely fine. If they want to stop a certain type of person going upstairs, that's when I'm going to have to put my big boy pants on and we're all going to have to have a bit of fucking row about it. And that's, and that's so we run a food bank, we've delivered thousands, over 11,000 food parcels to lots of people, everyone's very happy with us, except because there's a group of people who are really unhappy. And what they want is they want the food bank gone. And I can't do anything about that then there's another group of people who want the food bank gone because it's in the sneaker room and they want to be able to play sneaker now i can do something about that because everybody gets what they want and they want to play sneaker that's fine it's our job to logistically work out what happens there but if you come to me and you say i want to stop x doing this i'm like i can't help you with that that's that's part of the culture war that i won't be a part of i don't care yeah. there isn't a group so they, so it's nearly always dressed up as um because they can't they're not because they can't be trusted because, because they'll damage it or they'll do something. And what I've learned is that every single community, and they all, all come here now, every single community will leave the upstairs room in a bit of a shit state. The one thing that combines all the different communities of South Leeds that use this space is not one of them can take food from a plate and put it in their mouth without dropping it on the floor. I Literally, <laughs> doesn't matter what the food is. It's like, it's a universal state of being fucking human. Is that this thing is true. And so that's the... That's so what sounds really like kind of, my five-year-old gets it you know like everybody gets what they want but nobody gets to stop other people getting what they want so it, it feels really childlike and it's like well how and actually that's the that's the rock and a hard place in which we're often caught between going oh how do we make this work and then we have to say to people what is it you want what have you asked for what is important to you and it's amazing and this feels very Brexity and very kind of covid restriction-y as well People go, well, well, what I want is them. No, no, stop it. What do you want? I want them not to stop it. What do you want? And actually people of collectively really fa- We're having an imagination failure. We don't really know what we want. We know we don't want any other people to have what we've got. Oh, that's mm. not the same. That's rubbish. What do you want? I want everything to stay the same. Actually, that's fine. We do a lot of everything staying the same work here. We've done that with the pub. The pub, the club now exists beyond the market. It's it, it, we we pay off its debt every year with with money that we raise from making theatre. It exists beyond the market, and that's 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 amazing. It's amazing for a bunch of men who believe absolutely in capitalism, but this bunch of socialists have come along and saved their bacon with with collectivism. <laughs> but they they got what they want. Actually, then it turned out what they really wanted was to not have to share it, and that's different. That Mm. we can't do anything about. I'm like, you're going to have to share it because the value paid off all your debts are the values that keep the door open for everyone to use it. And that's difficult. You know, when you say, Mm. it's easy to say everyone can borrow my van and they can. It's not mine. Everyone can borrow the van. And sometimes, Wes, sometimes a company will take that van on the Thursday when I need it on the Friday and they'll wrap it around a lamppost (laughs) <laughs> and that and it pisses me off because i'm like oh and now i've got to go hire a van and then i've got to do all that paperwork and i have got to spend money and then i've got to sort it all out and then i normally got a gig right then on the friday and so really what what we've learned when you're an organization what you your first principle of any charity or even business you have to act in the interest of the charity and the business so you actually what you do is you go let's not let's not lend the van it's not in our interest to do that so that's how we end up with a world where you know, everyone says, well, why is the art so competitive? It's built into it. It's competitive because mm-hmm. they are actually in competition with each other. No matter what they say, they are legally obliged to protect themselves. Yeah. So you have to live in this world where you like, script. We're not going to do that. And yes, once in a while, someone takes the van and wraps it around a lamppost and it ruins my weekend. But, 50 out of 51 weekends, that doesn't happen. And it's worth that one time it happens to pay off all the other ones. And that's... that that little sort of meta- example or metaphor is true of everything we do here. You have to have a high threshold for risk because if you didn't, you would behave like all the pe- all the other people behave mm. and you would get the same response and we would back to the- be back to this place just being used by a handful of people who will look the same.
0: Do you think that the whole bet could work on a bigger scale? Do you think if it went up to like the size of the national theatre, it would still be able to operate on the same ideas or does it need to be kind of small dynamic
1: i think i think that the, what works here uh, is that that we are personally responsible that the the inevitable the kind of final liability is ours there are no excuses here so there's lots of reasons there's a number of things going on at the minute in which there are easier ways of doing it than we're doing it and i'm quite tired so i'd like to take one of those easier ways we don't, because that's not what we're for. We try to hold ourselves to, the, to our own standards. Mm. I think the problem comes with large organisations that have the sort of funding that they have, is that you can't do it like that. You can't be responsible for £85 million pounds and be one person. So you create systems. So one of the systems we create is a board, and a charity. So now, we've just government's just asked that charities aren't political. It's a bit more nuanced than that, but we don't have time to get into it. So, broadly speaking, the government has insisted that charities are not political. That's a big mm. fucking thing to say to a theatre, isn't it? Yes. That's a, that that, that <laughs> happened quick. isn't it? Like, I, I'm sorry. I thought when we were going to... And, and the other thing we, we have is a board to, to look after them. Now, boards, almost entirely, people have already done really well from the current system. Now, there are people who have done really well from the current system who are committed to changing the system. I find normally just after they've made sure that all their gains cannot be removed from them. But nonetheless, (laughs) the majority of people who have done really well with the current system don't want a different system. They just want a tiny change in the current system to allow more people to do better. We've tried that for nearly 60 or 70 years. It has not worked doesn't matter that the government suggests that institutional racism doesn't exist. We know that it does, and we know that our society is broken. And actually, the people who are in charge, genuinely in charge, not artistic director in charge, but chair of board in charge, are nearly all, by definition, people who have already done really well out of the current system. And that's a problem, because theatre can be a drive for, for radical change. And it isn't going to be a driver for radical change if those systems are. So that's what I mean by theatre means all of this. Mm. To, is 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 what the Holbeck does really? What the National does? I like the National. It's a perfectly lovely place. If I want to go and see James Corden and knock about fast, that's the place I'm going to. <laughs> but are we genuinely looking at the National and saying, "Well, we'd like some, we would like a different social way of living from you"? I don't think so. I think we're just asking them to put famous people in good plays and put them on, aren't we? Really, that's mm. really the expectation. So then the question becomes like, "Oh, okay. Well, then if we've got public money, money beyond the market, where should we spend it?" Should we spend it on that organisation that uses it to pump the prime in order to get into the commercial markets of Broadway and the West End, or if we've got five hundred million pounds, might it be more progressive if we're looking to experiment with social change and other and and just changing the system because we know it's broken by divvying it up into pots of one hundred and fifty thousand pounds and giving it to artists who are all attached to communities all over the country? If you're looking, for example, that the Arts Council are to change the balance of where you spend the money do you want to give the money to people that aren't in london then well yes okay if you're looking for more black and brown people in theater do you want to give more of the money to black and brown people yes and queer people and disabled people we we can go on but we can't do that because at the same time as doing that we also want to keep the system as it is so we want Mm. we want radical change and we would like to keep funding the Royal Shakespeare Company, the Royal National Theatre, English National Opera, all those people. So where you end up with in order to, to get somewhere is you say, well, then we'll ask these big beasts to be the drivers of radical change. Well, that's stupid. That's just stupid. <laughs> that's unfair. That's unfair. <laughs> There's a poor bastard who runs the National Theatre is trying desperately to keep this thing afloat and people are shouting at him because they think his play's too weird and people are shouting at him because they think his plays aren't weird enough. and, and the, Oh, and by the way, could you also... Completely. this is a building that when you don't have a ticket, asks you to leave at seven Mm. o'clock. There has to, that's like, so we have to, it's almost dishonest in that we want radical change and we want things to stay exactly the same. So if we want that to happen, we have to make hard choices. And it might be that we have to say to our big beast, you do really well in the marketplace. You're incredibly commercial and you're very proud of that. And you should crack on and do that because we could take this money and then we could do this with it. And that would be incredibly unpopular with all the people who make those big decisions. Let's sit on the House of Lords because they want everything to stay That's the tension. And that's the really fruity bit. What's dishonest, I think, is asking those big beasts to be the drivers of radical change. When I look for radical change, do you know what I don't look for, was A board full of dames and lords and ladies. That's yeah. As a as a as a basic measure, I'm like right. Where are my where's my radical progressive pioneers? People sitting in the House of Lords. It's not. There's some amazing people in the House of Lords, and there's also a load of people who aren't. And there's some amazing people sitting on those boards, and there's also a load of people who aren't. And I think that's so that so mm. slunglow works nowhere else but slunglow. And Christ, some days it doesn't even work for us, mate so i don't think anyone else should have to do this what i do think that can be learnt from this is what happens when you give people just enough money to create change in a place and not so much money that they don't have any real oversight which we don't mm. we just crack on we have to deliver to the arts council of course we do but on a day-to-day basis people just leave us to get on with it i don't have a board that i think is a really useful model I think yes. the idea that the National Theatre should behave like us is as as daft, is is as an idea a non-starter is saying, why can't you behave more like the National Theatre? Well, I don't want yeah. to, and it's not what I'm for.
0: And that very much delves into that idea of anarchy, but not as people are thinking when I say anarchy, but anarchist societies where it's a small amount of people doing the work that they need to do for their community at that time, and it's been shown that it can work, and that was, was shown in... Uh, spain in like the the yeah. latter 1900s wasn't it oh no the early 1900s and it's interesting taking that idea and put into art i didn't really need to high culture that
1: then did i but i did look at that i love a bit of high culture i love a bit of high culture i think the, the, the thing that it's a bit it's this powerful thing again was is the, the only way things have ever changed is small groups of people doing things committed to each other getting getting the hard yards done and we we've we bought this myth that no, there's this system. There's this thing you can do. All, all the people I know who've gone to work into big systems and been determined of change ends up five years later turning back and said, you don't know how hard it is to make the change. And I do know how hard it is. That's why I don't work for a big organization because I know mm-hmm. that they would crush me because there are good reasons. You know, I heard Abby Greenland from RashDash talking about it the other day on a the thing. There are if If people make these changes, then people will lose their jobs. That's horrible. Nobody wants to do that. Mm. Change has to come. Change cannot come within those big organizations who are legally obliged to protect themselves. So change will only come by small groups of people doing what is necessary with confidence, with a moral with a moral imperative. Um and and look around. You know, you look around to wherever you're most excited, you will find a small group of people making change. You will, what you will not find is some large organization desperately trying to... Occasionally you do, actually, that's not fair. Sometimes you do. But it's an unreasonable expectation. It's also, literally, you would have to fight the kind of basic constitution of an organization to do it. And that's not yeah. fair. But I don't. But I don't know why the arts have spent the last twenty years. You know, every time, well, we want, we want to more disabled people. We'll give more money to the theaters, and they'll do it. Well, they don't do it. They keep doing the same thing time after time, and it's not their fault. Yeah. We need to stop expecting them to be the driver of radical change. If we want radical change, we have to take the money and put it somewhere else. And that's the bit. That's the next fight that's yeah. worth having.
0: So it feels like we need a distinction between different forms of theater so i think people have kind of musical separate but even even more than that when you look at theater theater that's not musical there needs to be different distinctions of what kind of organizations they are and that's not clear enough at the moment and i think that's something really good for f- listeners to think about is where on that kind of social scale are you are you more about making money or are you more about making social change And which way do you want to go and it's your theater so you can do whatever you want with that mm. uh, i think that's uh, that's a really interesting. to think about now uh, as it is Wes builds a theater and we encourage everyone to build their theaters and i think now after you've just talked about small amounts of people making change i think we definitely need to get on making these theaters um it feels like you've pretty much got the art space that you want but if you could make we usually ask people if you could if you had infinite amounts of money what theater would you make so to you i guess it's more what would you change if you had silly amounts more of public money but none of
1: the uh, things that you're talking about yeah. come with that yeah what well, uh I, I, what would you do i am um, the, well the biggest i mean really boringly the biggest problem we have here is the building we've inherited is not accessible it's not accessible psychologically it's not accessible physically it's not in all sorts of ways we need a lift and the great thing about this place is that it's riddled with asbestos. So doing any building work costs a fortune because the great downside of being run by groups of people is that nobody at any point in the past ever thought to do the really boring work of cleaning up. They just kept building things on top of each other. Um. so, so with all the money in the world, I would transform this building into the accessible and environmentally kind of engaged space that we really want it to be, as opposed to the late 19th century death trap that it is. Um, I, I, but but also I, I think I haven't made the theatre I want. I've made the theatre that Holbeck's told me they want, and and I think, in fairness, so that it's not an entirely passive experience on my part, that I think Holbeck needs. Um, so there is a there is still a there is a still a curatorial role, although it's smaller than people imagine, and it's certainly smaller than traditional uh, artistic director roles. is. I'm trying really hard. If I may, the question to your build a theatre is, is yes, absolutely, what, what are theatres for and what are they doing? But I think there's a really interesting question about what do you do when you can't do what you thought you could? So what what, what does your theatre do? Mm. What does my theatre do when I can no longer put on theatre? And the answer it turned out was like paint rocks. There's a thousand rocks that the kids have done and and, <laughs> and there's a, a map story. But my, my, the interesting thing was that the theatre part of it wasn't the important part of it. They're making, keeping people connected, mm. telling stories, all of that became the most important part. With all the money in the world, I wouldn't spend it on here. Um, I would divvy it up into packets of £150,000 and I would give it to artists who were willing to make a commitment to a specific geographical place, any type of artist. And I would say, here's £150,000 a year, which I, I know from experience is enough money to cause a lot of trouble. Go and be in service to whatever or whoever you think it's most useful to be in service to and let us know how you get on and i will see you in five years time
0: interestingly there was a twitter thread the other day about it was from directors but loads of artists got in it as well of wanting to belong somewhere so that's actually an idea for both sides Quite yeah i
1: think i think um i think it's well i think the, the thing that this last year has shown is that i mean my wife's a, a movement director and and as a, as, a, as, a, as a freelancer in the commercial world, she was told she was very powerful and it turned out that she's incredibly not very powerful. It turns out she, she and all mm-hmm. her colleagues were incredibly dispensable. They were dispensed with. And now it's starting to warm up again. They're being told that they're really powerful again. And that's... um These myths that we're told about, you know, customers are important, uh, a most powerful relationship and freelancers are... These, these are not the truth. These are not the truth. It turned out where the money went and it was billions, mate billions spent in saving the cultural industry it all went to organizations um more you know so little of it went to freelancers as to basically be the same and that tells us where, yeah. where we turn and, and in a moment of crisis the blood rushes to the thing that's most important so we know we know that's that's what was deemed to be most important and i think that's something we're going to have to have a reckoning with afterwards because i don't think that's true
0: last question of the day yeah we've ran
1: over oh, this is no. going
0: to be 20 minutes we have got on for an hour uh, last question of the day yeah. working men's club do you sell mild behind the bar i find it so hard to find a lovely pint of mild these days yes we do that would be really awkward if you said no no right i'll definitely be coming down great (laughs) and having a nice pint of mild soon so this has been wes builds a theater that was with alan lane this was more of an episode about artistic directors kind of philosophy and what they're about so it wasn't necessarily themed like our other episodes if you want more of this get in touch at wes builds on twitter and on Instagram or you can email me at westbuildstheatre@gmail.com, at gmail.com or get involved on the Facebook group which is Wes Builds A Theatre and you'll find me there. Suggest other ideas from people you want to hear about. You asked for Alan. You got Alan. Alan was bloody amazing. Oh, thanks man. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> see you in a bit Bye Alan. Yeah. ta